Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation and certified mental performance consultant. If you're listening to this episode, then you're likely a student athlete or family member of one. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Hopefully you find our podcast valuable. Mental performance coaching allows young athletes to show up at their best every single day by conquering distractions, pressures, and mental roadblocks through evidence-based strategies. So let's talk. You can visit my website at michaelvsinvincenthuber.com to schedule a free strategy session. Let's see if mental performance coaching is a fit for your family. Enjoy this episode, and thank you again for listening. How is Barb Smith helping female athletes develop the armor necessary to succeed in the recruiting process? Navigating the college recruiting process has become extremely challenging in an ever-changing landscape. Technology, social pressures, and financial considerations are all critical influences that make recruiting very stressful. My guest on this episode, Barb Smith, is a former Division I women's basketball coach. She also played basketball at The Ohio State University. Barb is founder of Find My Team, a company that is an educational resource for aspiring female student athletes to empower them with the tools necessary to navigate the college athletic recruiting process. In episode 42, Barb discusses how she is using her experience as a player and as a coach to help young women to navigate the college recruiting process. Barb talks about how she mentors young women through the recruiting process by giving them the resources necessary to find their ideal fit for college. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Barb Smith. Hi, Barb. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to see you again. I hope you're doing well, and uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this. I've, I've had a couple conversations with you prior, and I always love our conversations. It's yeah. inspiring. Yeah, you know, and, and that tends the way that the podcast tends to go is it tends to kind of, we tend to go down rabbit holes here, but that's just my style. And, you know, I'd rather have a deep conversation about something than a superficial one. So let's get into <laughs> it. Um, so, if I could start by asking, like, what inspired you to get into the coaching profession? Well, you know, this could be a, a three-hour-long story, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna condense it. Um, when I was growing up, we had uh, my my grandparents lived on a farm, and my parents have both families are very large, so we would go out there to the farm and play everything. I mean, we would play backyard volleyball, pool volleyball, basketball up in the hayloft, shuffleboard, you know, uh, chess. We had beanbag throw back then, you know, now they call it cornhole. Uh, We had all the horseshoes, everything, and it was always a competition. And I just loved playing. The, The competition is what I loved about playing. And so, you know, going through junior high and high school, I got into sports and I loved it. I loved all the, everything that you get out of sports. Uh, and so that just, I loved it so much. I wanted to continue it. And there was no, I'm old, Mike, so there was no pro for women back then. or anything. <laughs> so I decided that that's when I was going to get into uh, coaching and, and jumped right in and had a great college career. Tara Vanderveer was my coach. Oh, wow. She, no uh, kidding. One of the best. I mean, she, I, I, to this day, she has not changed in, in her, you know, the way she treats her players and the camaraderie and the teamwork. You can see her teams play. Um, that's what I look at that and I go, yeah, that's home. Um, and, and so much from that experience led me to, yeah, I want to give back like that. I want to do that. Um, and so I went into coaching. Wow. I did not know that. So she's still at Stanford, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. One of the great women's college basketball coaches of all time coached you at, and you went to Ohio state, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Ohio state. Yes. Hey, she's the winningest coach right now in women's basketball. So she's in, and wow. back. talk about giving back Mike. She's, 
she's done so much for so many people, including myself. Okay, so you know, I didn't expect to go there because I, I didn't know that. But t- tell me about her. Tell me about what it what it is about her, or what are some of the attributes uh, attributes, excuse me, that she has that that make her a great coach. Tara's just she's real. First of all, mm-hmm. I mean, she's going to tell you like it is, and she's uh, she's not going to sugarcoat it. But she has this way with her analogies, and so she would say things like, you know you know, why do you settle on being a VW when you can be a Porsche? You know, those kinds of analogies. And it just made you, it always hit home. You know, why are you shooting for the B when you can shoot for the A? And just just constantly motivational mm-hmm. talk from her. And then, you know, she was all about team. You know, if we're not, not going to do it together, we're not doing it all type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, whoever was up for the challenge. I mean, there was a there was a quick story. Um, you know, we're in a we're in a timeout in the locker room and we're playing Northwestern at the time. And this player is killing us. And she comes in the locker room and she says, Who's gonna guard this this person? And I just said, I'm gonna I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, she was six foot and I was five. I'm five three, five four, you know. <laughs> I wanted five five on the roster because when we looked taller, but I was the shortest player in the Big Ten for one year, I think, uh, Mike. Wow. Um, but anyways, I said I'll do it, and so she's like, "Then you do it." You know, you you, and it wasn't there was a size difference and everything, mm-hmm. but she's like, "If you want to do it, you do it." And uh, the funny story is, the the kid had sixteen points at halftime and ended the game with fifteen. So I'm the only person in the history of college women's basketball that took away a point on the, on the stat sheet. No, it was a, you know, obviously a, an error. Right. But she didn't score the second half. She didn't score. Right. And she even awesome. you know, she took a point away, which was a, a mistake, but you know, Tara was at the end going, now that's how you guard somebody. Take right. points away. Well, but I think there's a lesson in there. And, and this is something that I talk about with respect to coaching. And I'm sure you have a, a more nuanced view of it than I do, but like, Like to me, the word that comes to mind when you tell that story is trust, right? Like she trusted you to go out there because you wanted it, right? And I think a lot of coaches would look at that situation and say like, no, I can't put this person on her because she's eight inches shorter. And, you know, we got to find someone who matches up physically when she said, hey, you know what? I don't care that you're shorter. If you want it, you're probably going to go do a good job. And I think a lot of coaches don't trust their players in that way for whatever reason, Um, and I think that that's something that's lacking in the coaching profession in general. No question. No question. She was, you know, what I, I, I was a walk on at Ohio Mm -hmm. state and and eventually earned, earned a scholarship. So she, you know, I walked into that office and she said, look, there's no guarantees that you're going to make this team. Mm -hmm. And she was very demanding when we were in practice and on the court, but she was, you know, if you're, if you're willing to do it, then you've got a chance. And when she said there's no guarantees, but you can try to walk on, to me it was like she's giving me a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And I what what am I gonna do with it now? Sure. You know, I can I can toss it away or I can, you know, work my tail off and and make sure that I get to keep it. And you know, she held up to her word and and I busted my butt and, and great things happened. And, and so many lessons happened. But yeah, trust you know, demanding, but motivational. She's always inspiring. And she's, you know, if you look at any of those videos now when they win, it's like, she's They have fun with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's also underrated. I'm curious though, like as a walk on, was there, were there any instances or any times where you thought about not continuing on quitting the team because of the way it was going? It's interesting because, you know, walk ons, you get no money, you, you, you know, you're treated a little bit differently, but when I was with that team in that group, you never felt it. You never mm-hmm. felt anything different. And, um, there was never, it, it never crossed my mind that I was going to transfer. And, and back in those days, that wasn't even mm-hmm. very common. It, it did happen a little bit, but it wasn't very common, not nearly as common as it is mm-hmm. today. You, you know, if you didn't play, like I was going there to, to try out, if I didn't play, I was going to stay at Ohio state because that's where I was going. Okay. And, um, you know, I'd have to do something, try out the next year or play your murals or something else, but mm-hmm. I was going to, to that school. 
Did you have offers to other schools that you turned down for scholarships? I had one other offer and then a lot of people wanted me to just come, you know, just come and, you know, walk on basically. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was was more of that. And, uh, you know, I said, well, I've got a lot of places to walk on. I'm going to go to the, to the one I want Yeah, and, and, you know, turn down one offer to go do that. Right. And there's a great lesson in that we were talking before we started recording, but that idea of finding the school that fits you. And it sounds like you went to the school that fit what you wanted as a person and you happened to make basketball a part of that versus going to a school strictly to play basketball and not having the other pieces of your life fit, whether it's, you know, cultural, social, academic, et cetera. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that you see this as well in your work, but mm-hmm. you know, as a coach, I have had 30 years of experience seeing student athletes thrive in college and just seeing some of them just survive it. Mm-hmm. And those two experiences are so different, yeah. hugely different, even to the extent where they, they go into the, you know, beyond college, you know, either you're set up and you're confident and you're ready versus you're still surviving mm-hmm. and you're, you're either yeah. hurt, you know, in a like mentally hurt or whatever mm-hmm. that it affects the rest of your future. And it takes some time to, you know, maybe come back. But mm-hmm. if you, you know, if any student athlete or any parent saw that their, either their student athlete or, you know, the student athlete themselves, if they could look ahead and find, you know, be able to see in the crystal ball where the thriving experiences versus the surviving one, they would choose the thriving experience, even if it was in another country, even if it was in another continent. Mm-hmm. That's how different those experiences are. Yeah. So, I mean, you said you're a coach for 30 years. Um, What are some of the things that you did as a coach to help your athletes thrive, right? Beyond the basketball court. I tried to get them before they got there and, and, and really try to be honest about what it is that you're getting yourself into and had those same conversations with parents. Mm Mm-hmm. And just tried to be as honest, you know, my assistants would sometimes say, you're too honest about what it's going to be like. But because of my own experience, I didn't want to lie to players or sugarcoat things or not be honest with them because I knew Mm -hmm. them not being happy is going to affect all of us. And I think sometimes coaches are willing to put up with that just to get the best talent in. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it works and sometimes it's a big struggle and sometimes people are not jumping around, you know, jumping out. But, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted them to know what they're getting into. And then we did, we always did team building and, you know, leadership type things and tried to get uh, players to maybe look beyond just the sport they play as something bigger. Yeah. Um, Because you have to find a passion too in college. If you're just going for the sport, and you get injured or something happens and the sport's not working, you will flounder because you have not put the whole package together. Absolutely. So I, it's funny. I had somebody on, on the podcast um, a number of episodes ago and he was a football player in college. And the only th- reason he was in college, the only reason he went there is to play football, to make it to the NFL. And long story short, he had a very serious injury had to retire, I think, as a junior and went through a very, very serious period of depression um, because he didn't really have anything else. And he now admits that, you know, probably 10 years later, he said, you know, it wasn't until I figured out what my passion was outside of football that my life started to get better. And I think if you keep that in perspective from day one, right, you're in college exploring things that are also important to you side by side, which to your point, right? If you have, and I talk to athletes about this all the time, right? If you're feeling good about yourself, then you're going to perform better too, right? If you're not happy in other areas of your life or you're anxious or you're stressed out or whatever, it's going to be really hard to be at your best when you show up at the court or the field or whatever it is you do, because there's all this other stuff that's occupying you and you can't be your best, right? So you want to put yourself into this bigger frame of mind of like, Hey, if I'm happy in my life, I'm probably going to play better. Yeah. There's no question there. And, and you, you hit it on the head with 
there's so many things in college that are different than they were in high school. Mm. So you're, you're figuring out even your own identity and who you are, who you want to be. And, you know, it might be the first serious boyfriend or girlfriend or, or you Mm -hmm. get the first C in your life and you are an A student or, you know, this whole thing about sitting and not being able to play or injury. There's so many things. And, you know, if you're not, you just have to be open-minded and aware that it's not mm-hmm. just to be, you're the star athlete in high school and you, the town knows you in the front page and mm-hmm. all this, you know, when you suddenly that gets cut off, well, well, who are you and who do you want to be and bring that into college? Yep. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, the phrase that comes up a lot on this podcast when you're talking to different, when I'm talking to different people is sort of big fish in a small pond, right? You know, in high school, you're catered to as an athlete, you're getting a lot of, especially now there's recognition all over the place. I mean, it's just amazing to me how much publicity comes through social media about high school kids who are playing sports. Uh, And I think about it 30 years ago when I was in high school, it's like, you know, we didn't have this. If, if you got your name in the newspaper, it was a big deal. You know, now it's all over the place. Um, but like you're coming into this new environment where you're just one of many and it's like, okay, like, am I going to be able to look at this as a, a growth experience and it's three or four or five years versus like, if I don't come in and play right away, what's wrong with me? Or I shouldn't be here. I need to go somewhere else because that's just not realistic, you know, when you start a new place and whatever, whatever, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, I agree. There's uh, and I think that's the, you know, with, with starting it so young with, with youth sports, if you're not working on it, if you're not opening the, the mm. doors and the eyes at that age, then they grow up. These young kids grow up knowing that I'm, I'm this athlete and that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, in your work too, but just mental breakdowns in college yep, because absolutely. all of a sudden the athlete is struggling. Yeah, I do. Um, I do see that. And I, I see, I, I get a lot of um, overwhelmed athletes probably, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's revisionist history. You know, I think I probably was overwhelmed at points too in my athletic career when I was younger because it was so important to me. And a lot of times I, I position it that way with kids. They listen. This is a really important part of your life, so much so that it's sort of overtaking you. Well, what can we do to reduce the burden? And the same for parents who don't know how to deal with it, right? Like that's the other challenge as a parent. Like sometimes they're at their wits' end. Like, how do I help this person, my child? And I don't really, I, I don't know that there's anything else that I could do to do that. So. It, it it a lot of times is a very upsetting thing to be involved with at first, but it's also very rewarding to help. And so I guess the question I, I have for you, because this sort of dovetails with your coaching career, um, but also what you're doing now in, in the recruiting space, like like what are some of the challenges you see when you start to get to know a family, right? Whether you're a coach coming when you're coaching and you come in the house and you have a conversation or when you're working with people now, helping them understand the process, like what are some of the challenges you see with, with the recruiting process? I think, uh, I think that one of the biggest challenges is that there's just not a centralized place where these parents and families can go. Mm. That's why find my team was born because Mm -hmm. we want to be that central hub and we're not a recruiting service. We're so different than a recruiting service. We're resource for the recruiting process and that means you can come to us for answers because there there's you know you can google things you can try to find things and some people spend hours Mm. trying to find answers and you know that's just seems like a waste of time and you still don't know if it's the right answer you don't know if it's honest you know genuine good up-to-date information so that's one challenge the other challenge i think is you know, parents love their kids so much, of <laughs> course, right? So parents want to make life happy for their yes. child. And so they'll step in front if things get tough. At every time they'll fight the battles, they'll speak the words, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, knock people out of the way. They'll go blame the coach or blame the teacher or whatever when the child falls. And if if we could just let the child fall, mm-hmm. they would learn how to bounce. Yep. And, and there's this thing about bouncing 
that if if we even like you know push our kids over metaphorically once in a while and let them fail they'll get stronger and they'll be able to bounce back mm-hmm. if we don't do that and we stay and you know, fight all their battles and do all their work from they i mean people are filling out applications and everything for their child talking to coaches emailing the coaches for recruiting purposes yep if they do all that work then it's it's not going to be the child's decision it's mm-hmm. it's the parents but they're not going to bounce back they're going to bounce out which is what they're doing so we're trying to teach you know you're going to there's going to be obstacles in college and in the recruiting process it's going to yes. be hard but there's this thing called bouncing back versus bouncing out i like it and you want them to bounce you want them to get back up and keep going and learning but you, you've got to be able. I always tell the parents we have these conversations now. You got to get in the back seat. Your, your child has to drive. Yes. You got to get in the back seat. Right, and that's a phrase I'll use very often. Is you know, parents taking the, having parents take their hands off the wheel, right? Yeah. Like I, I, when you were saying that, I was sort of smiling to myself because it's so true. And I've had a couple people on the podcast, coaches, baseball coaches particularly, who've said like. When we're in the recruiting process, we want that email to come from the kid. We want the kid to look us in the eye. We want the kid to take ownership of the recruiting process because we want to know that they're in it, right? Like versus having mom or dad pick up the phone or send an email or complain about something. Like that's not what we want because then what happens when they get there and there's nobody there to protect them, to advocate for them, right? And that's a real issue, you know, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, before we started recording as well in terms of like the, the the club sports, whether it's AAU, whatever it is, travel sports environment in our country, there's a lot of bouncing around, right? Trying to find the right team, whether it's somebody who's going to play you or someone's going to tell you what you want to hear. And if we're not happy with what we're getting, we're going to move. Like that's also part of the bouncing back process, right? Like, yeah, you know what? I don't like your coach either, son. And I don't love that you're here, but this you're part of this program, right? And like, you got to stick it out. And, you know, we're all going to have bad coaches and bad bosses and whatever it is in our lives. And we have to learn how to deal with it and speak up for ourselves, which is one of the things that I am huge on working with kids in my coaching practice is to say, you need to learn how to advocate for yourself, you know? And I know it's not easy when you're 15, 16, 18, 20 years old talking to an adult who holds your athletic future in his or her, his or, or, or her hands, but you have to learn to have that conversation because they're going to respect you for it. And once you know where you stand for real, then that's going to alleviate a lot of the anxiety that you're having because you're telling, you're making up stories in your head about why I'm not playing or why this coach doesn't like me when it may be something totally different, you know, that you don't really understand because you haven't spoken to them about it. Yeah. There's so many times when kids have transferred without talking to you know, a staff member Uh and, you know, it may be through parents or through even other players, but, you know, if you don't know that, you know, if you don't know what's going on, if if the coach doesn't know what's going on because the player isn't communicating that, things could get way out of hand. It's like anything, but, you know, kind of like we were talking about also before was, Mm -hmm. you know, if you feel like you aren't in the right program for a club or not in the right high school or not in the right, uh, you know, a college team, then before you just bounce out, all these things should happen. Like you're, you're talking about communication, yes. cry, give it a shot. You know, why are you really here in college? You're going to learn, you're going to be, there's all these characteristics that you get from mm-hmm. sports to begin with that are going to come into play and you're going to use them for the rest of your life. And if you don't get a chance to develop those, mm-hmm. you're still going to struggle when you leave. If the first thing you think of is, well, you know, they're either not playing me right or I'm not in the right program mm-hmm. or instead of, you know, just reframe it, just turn the mirror around and just, what can I do to, to make this situation better? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a skill that's learned. Yes. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. Right. And the, the way I would ask that same question is typically is what, what could you do differently? Right. And, and, you know, having, holding yourself to account, and being willing to take constructive feedback and not taking things personal. I mean, these are all life skills, right? And I've had so many athletes 
particularly college athletes, like, could you, what, what would it be like to talk to your coach about this? And they're like, I think I could. So like, why don't you? Cause I think there's this perception and I'm sure you could speak to this better than I do, but like, if you speak up for yourself, there's a perception that you're going to, you're complaining, right? You're a complainer and you don't want to rock the boat or you don't. Right. But, and when I, what I distinguish with them is to say, there's a respectful way to do it. Right. And maybe you're not comfortable with that. We can work on that. We can talk, we can role play it. We can talk about it. Like, how can you go have this conversation? How could you ask the question in a way that makes it seem like you want to get better and contribute and fit in versus like, Hey, why are you doing this to me? Which then it becomes a conflict, which it doesn't need to be. Right. And coaches really want their athletes. Right. They want them. To exactly. And now you may not always get the answer you want back, but you know, <laughs> is, is, you know, that's half the battle that keeps all the walls down and, uh-huh. and keeps everybody, you know, transparently engaged. And it, it goes much smoother yeah. when, when student athletes can find their, find their voice. Yeah. So I want, I want to, I want to go back to find my team and you're sort of talking about that. That's so it, it sounds like what, what you're doing really, and you can correct me if I'm, using the wrong terminology, but it sounds like you're really advising families, right? You're consulting, consulting, advising, mentoring people through the recruiting process versus helping them get a result. Because that's, that's what I, when you were talking before, that's sort of what came to my mind, which is to say, we're so results oriented. I want to get an offer to go to a division one school versus like, Hey, how do I get somebody to help me navigate this process so we can find the best answer whether it's division one, two, three, NAIA, community college, whatever it is, you know, to think through it critically so we get a, a good result, but not a predetermined one. Right. And yeah, so we get them, and thanks for asking that question. We try to get them as early as possible and we help them identify things that are really important to them. And they don't know, they don't know these things because mm-hmm. nobody's ever asked them. And our feedback has been so good even from the parents that we give them this little assessment and then we go over it, as I was saying uh, mm-hmm. individually with them and their parents say things like it's opened, it's open communication between me, us and our mm-hmm. daughter, because now we're talking about things that she is about. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, nobody's ever asked me these questions before. So it's just like, you know, it's just opening, it's just opening her mind up mm-hmm. about, Hey, maybe I do want this, or maybe I do want that, or maybe I do want this style of coaching. And, you know, two quick scenarios. I had a, a student athlete come through our program who is, it was all D1. That was it. D1, D1, that's all. I want D1. And, you know, we took her through the whole program and she stayed with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, slowly she started realizing that that's not going to help me get to where I'm going. And it, it isn't that I don't want, you know, 24 seven, you know, no time for anything else. And, but, but she only knew division one, but as she came through, we were able to talk about mm-hmm. the differences in the divisions and not to think of it as lesser than that is just a huge misunderstanding mm. that it isn't lesser than she ended up going division three. She got offers turn them down to go division three. Wow. That, is, that is unheard of. Right. And she's got to pay for this now, but this is where she wants to go. Yeah. This is what her life, you know, and so this is one transition mm-hmm. on the other side. I had a little you know, cross country runner who through COVID had gotten ill and didn't think she was going to play at all. So she was aiming at again, r- wrongly. So the division instead of the place she was thinking, you know, I'm not going to get anything. I'm, you know, and we worked hard and we got creative with her times and she had to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Did. And she ended up getting a division one scholarship for cross country. And she went there and it's like, it's the fit yeah. of, of these places. Yeah. And if you find it, these kids are going to be, they're going to be great. Yeah. How much, and this comes up a lot. So I'll ask you how much influence do you think social media has over the process? I think media in general, you know, yeah. social media, media on TV, you know, you know, all of it has a huge, plays a huge role. Yeah. But I also think, you know, like, you know, you and I were talking about youth sports, you know, there's, there's a, in club sports, there was a club 
program, well, well thought of program around in the country mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, has a bit of a reputation for putting out good kids. And so one of his players chose division two over division one. Uh, I'm sorry, division three over division two. So was going to get a scholarship, turned it down, went division three. Mm-hmm. And he, he reamed her. <laughs> he was, he said, you're a disgrace to our club because we have a reputation to uphold. And so all of the kids, he, t- he told all the kids not to associate with her anymore. Oh my goodness. So those, all of those kids now have this impression that if they don't go to the highest level, then they're going to be, you know, criticized for it. And it's just this messaging that we're giving, yeah. uh, passing on is, is really a disservice to these kids finding the right fit. Yeah. And I, and I you know, listen, you know, unfor- as upsetting as that is to me to hear, it doesn't surprise me because these coaches are running these private clubs that are made to generate a profit. And so for them, it's reputational. And it's like, if we're not turning out, you know, more scholarship athletes, then it makes us look bad. And, you know, we're going to lose business because of it. Right. And they want to sort of, they want to punish that, that choice, which is terrible, right? It should be about, it should be about the, the athlete, about the kid, not that. And then you've got the other side of it, which is the parents who, you know, God bless them. I'm a parent. I have two kids and they both play sports and it's not, it's not the cheapest thing in the world for us to do. And I think there's just this implicit understanding a lot of times with parents is like, well, if I'm investing all this time and energy and money into this process, like there should be something on the back end to defray the cost, which would be a scholarship. Right. And it's not like they want ill for their children, but like, I think it's just a natural human instinct to be like, okay, like let's get something out of this. And I think that that contributes to the pressure that the athlete feels, the student athlete feels to, to, to make their parents happy, which then it becomes like a circle, you know, in terms of, you know, creating anxiety in the system, stress in the system, because they're trying to please all these different masters. Yeah. I've actually talked to some student athletes who can't talk to their parents about what they really want because mm. parents want them to go division one and they have to get a scholarship or they don't get to play sports. And that again is a, mm. that's a tough one. I mean, you know, there are ways to fund all levels, all divisions of college and yeah. it can work out. And again, I would point all those parents back and the club coaches back to you know, here's a chance for this human to thrive mm. in college and to really be able to be yeah. set up so that they're able and capable of giving back when they get out there and, you know, making the world a better place mm-hmm. instead of, you know, bouncing around or putting people down to get up and all these other things that you can learn through mm. this experience as well. And, you know, what do we want? What do we want to teach them? And I just look at back at my own experience. It's like, you know, you play because you love it when you're young. And as you go through the, you know, up the ranks of high school and college and maybe even pros, it gets less and less and less about liking and loving the sport and more about just doing it. Mm-hmm. This is my whole thing about thriving versus surviving. Yeah. And, and listen, you know, and, 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 and listen, rightfully so, like a, being a college athlete, particularly at the division one level is like a job, right? When I talk to kids and I have a couple of few division one athletes that I work with, you know, listen, the schedules are rigorous, you know, you're lifting and you're going to study hall and you're traveling in the, during the week and you're, you know, you're obviously going to practice and like, there's all these obligations. And so like, it's a full-time job. And so if you're not enjoying it, and you're not playing or you're not participating because you're not as good as somebody else, like that's going to, I think, lead you to question, like, why am I doing this? And I think that that's a healthy exercise, right? Just because being an athlete is such a big part of your identity, I, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, does it really make sense for me to continue on here if I don't really enjoy it? And I think that's like taboo, you know, like a lot of kids would never even think that or even have that conversation. And it's scary to think that kids aren't willing to talk to their parents about stuff because they're afraid of what they're going to get back. You know, they just kind of keep it to themselves or, you know, like I'm just going to put my head down and, and, and power through. And that's, that's sad too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those instances where it's, it's, 
you know, their lo- their choice is determined by somebody other than themselves. Yes. And so it's not theirs. Mm-hmm. It's so this, you were talking about ownership. There's no ownership. There's no investing in themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a 50, 50 chance that that's mm-hmm. going to work out. Maybe even less than that. I don't know. But, um, you know, if, if we could all just remember that it is mm-hmm. just, sports. it is just sports and it is so fun mm-hmm. and, and so good for you in so many ways that when everything else clouds that, that vision, it can get really yeah. ugly, really fast. And, and instead of what it, what it should, should and could be. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, obviously I agree with you on that. I think it's really important to, to continue to sort of put that message out there as much as sometimes I think it gets kind of lost in the, and lost in the mail. But so how much talk about the work that you do with parents specifically, like what are some of the things that you're trying to educate parents on? What are some of the, the, um, uh, the what's the right word? Just the pushback you might get from a parent, or some of the skepticism, or is there any of that, or are parents, you know, open to to the education process? Well, I think once they understand it, <clears throat> once they see what's happening, and once they, you know, once they see their daughter start finding her voice mm. and about her decisions and understanding. Hey, I'm, I need to ask these people for this and these people for this, but not ask everybody for everything in this process. And it's zeroed out. And what do I really need and want? And who can I go to? And where are my resources? And when she has all that armor, mm. she can do this. She can find a place. Your, your student athlete can find the right place. Mm-hmm. And when the parents see that that's working, they're willing to to be in the back seat. And I've I had a couple parents, you know, partway through say, okay, now it's time for me to start, you know, calling people. And I, I told this father, I said, if you start doing that, it's going to, you're going to get it all back and you're going to be doing it again instead of allowing her to keep doing this. She's doing this. Right. And he said, yeah. I said, just trust me. If you will stay out of the way, she'll finish it. And, and she did. And, and he said, you know, you, you're right. You're right. And it is just about that. It's, it's sort of like the coach trusting the player. It's the parent trusting the, yes. the student athlete, the, the child. They can, and if they truly want to do it, they will. If right. if it's your decision that she she or he is going to play, mm-hmm. and so you let them out there and they don't do it, that's that's another right. sign. Right. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you said that. Right, because I think at the end of the day, if we ever if we really want to be great at anything we do, but sports, it has to be our choice, right? It has to be our, we have to be motivated to do it on our own because otherwise it's not sustainable. It's like, you know, with my own children, I'll go back to that because, you know, if, if my son or daughter doesn't want to do something and I force them to do it, they're just, they're just going to be going through the motions, right? As much as I want them to continue on because I think that they could be, have the potential to be something bigger, better. Yeah. You know, you know, should I push them? I don't know. But I know that if they're not invested in the process of like spending the time and energy to do this, like it's a waste of everybody's time and money and whatever else. And they got to want it. And sometimes you got to get out of the way and let them figure it out as much as it's maybe painful to watch them, you know, kind of flounder on their own. Yeah. That's the tough thing for, for parents. I know, I know that's tough. Mm -hmm. And and that's where, you know, you, you just have to, you have to go a little higher. And look, okay. Mm-hmm. Unless the situation is harmful to her like right. life or his life. Right. If that's she's in it. danger. Exactly. That's different. You know, then you yank her out or you yeah. come in or whatever. But if it's her learning something, if it's her struggling a little bit, that I think is very powerful and she'll get better at, you know, you know, navigating that stuff because life is going to be somewhat of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, when is the person, when will they learn it if they don't learn it through sport? I mean, or through growing up even. Yeah. Parents are, are always going to step in front like that. Are there common themes or common challenges that you see with young women, high school age women who are going through the process? I, I think one of the biggest uh, issues is confidence. I think, I think young females... Uh, for whatever reason, 
sports is supposed to be enhancing confidence, mm-hmm. but I believe that because they're not able to drive their own process, because they're not able to make their own decisions, because they won't or can't or somebody won't let them somehow <clears throat> it's impacted their their confidence. And I think social media has also mm-hmm. really impacted not only girls, boys too, but definitely young female athletes with, you know, the way you're supposed to look and talk and act and, and, you know, we, it's gotten bad, I think, social media. And I, I'm not sure how to fix that or stop that except to teach kids how to mm-hmm. use it and where to stay off it and, and be careful who to like and all those things that are so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, we even do that with them anyways, because if you're past college and you're looking for jobs, whatever you post is not going away, even if you try to make it go away. Yeah. All out there. But I think those are some real, real tough issues for for girls. Yeah. I mean, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. And I've, I've heard that in many different contexts in terms of young women struggling with their confidence. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that is. And maybe we're not going to get into all those reasons here today, but I think it's important, right? So like in terms of your role in the recruiting process and helping them, like what are some of the things that you might suggest or you might bring to their attention to help to increase their confidence? Well, what we do with them is, is open up a whole different world of how to think about things. Okay. And and we, you know, sit down with them just like this. And we um, just talk about things and, you know, this assessment, we go over it, Mm -hmm. you know, and they get to identify what their own obstacles are. And, and then we work on those things. Mm -hmm. Very it's a very personal process for each person because everybody's process and everybody's journey, yes. everybody's resources, every, everything is different. Yes. So there isn't a, there isn't a one size fits all template for the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. If you're going to really get in there. I mean, you know, people right now think that all you need to do is get on a club team. That's all you have to do. <laughs> sit back and wait. And you know, that's a, that's another huge misnomer that, you know, if you truly want to find a place, there's so much more exposure shouldn't drive the process the, the person should drive the process. Right. Let exposure drive it. You're sitting and waiting. And then by the time that you get seen and get recruited, it's rush, 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 rush to try to figure everything else out. And most of it's just shelved anyways. And then you get there as a, you know, a college freshman and you, you don't know why it's not working. Right. You, did, you weren't able to give it the time it needed. So are you, are you finding or like, are you having success getting access or getting introduced to players at a younger age, like starting in the freshman, sophomore type of year, or is it more people coming to you later on junior, senior year, sort of in a frenzy to try to, you know, get something worked out? It started with people more, you know, later, but mm-hmm. now we're, cause we're, we're talking about this to, to get them earlier mm-hmm. is, is, uh, it's just starting. And so we have like real short packages, even like, you know, just mm-hmm. come through for, you know, four or five quick phone calls and we'll have you on the right path right. To, to doing this mm-hmm. just on your own. And, you know, some of them have good, helpful coaches and some of them don't have helpful coaches and yeah. some of them have, you know, parents who've played and some of them have parents who have no idea. And so it's just, again, there's just so many, everybody's resources are a little different. And so we empower them to figure out which resources they want to use. And then we teach the resources how to help them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like train the trainer type stuff, yeah. right? Like, okay, you're there all the time. Here's what you need to do. But yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's the way I, that's the way I approach my coaching is everybody is different, right? And there's no one size fits all. And a lot of it is personalized. And to your point, even more importantly is they're telling you, what they think they need to get better at, because that goes back to motivation. If they believe that this is something they need to get better at, it's almost like if somebody thinks it's their idea, they're going to, they're going to stick with it more than if you tell them to do something, right? If they're telling you like, this is what I need to get better at, they're probably going to work on what they need to, to get better at, right? Get better at it versus like me saying to you, like, this is what you need to do, which is what they get 90% of the time, right? You need to do this or else. And then it's like, 
they tune you out or be like, you know what, you're wrong just because. So yeah. it's it's really it's it's really important. I've I've had a couple of other gentlemen that I know here in New Jersey where I live who have a similar um type of business to you. And they they work mostly with baseball players and males and they're kind of expanding, but it's the same approach. It's this very holistic, like consultative approach of like, Hey, what's going to fit for you? What do you need to get to where you want to go? Like being honest with the player and saying like, you know, you want to go to division one, but maybe you're not a division one player. Like, here's what you should be looking at. Right. Like this very honest approach that's resource driven versus saying like, Oh, we're going to get you an offer and get you placed and put it all on the result and you might lead them in, down the wrong path just because you're trying to get, you know, an offer, which is completely out of your control. All right. And I, I think, uh, you know, that anybody that, that, you know, promises to get an offer mm-hmm. or even promises roster spots is a flag. And I mm-hmm. think families think twice about signing up with people who aren't in it to really help this individual mm-hmm. find a fit and, like I said, there's, there's so many, you know, ways to, to do that. But it's, you know, my approach is, you know, I'm a teacher. I've always been a teacher. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if, if I just show you how to do a layup by watching it on film, you might be able to replicate it. But I, if I can teach you how to put this foot in front of this foot and, and where to put this knee and, you know, right. where to arms, if I can show you all that, you're able to do it without even having seen it i mean you can do it so it's like breaking the recruiting process all the way down to here's the first step and here's the second step and they're so doable and we make it fun so the 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 kids enjoy it and then they and they learn and and they're doing it on their own eventually what what would you say is one way or what's a way that you try to make it fun for them we get on and uh, I give them a hard time. And so we, we get on like this and, you know, we meet often yeah. and talk about it often and give them homework and they come back and, you know, we, we talk about it and, mm-hmm. and, you know, give them fun projects to do yeah. and how to, you know, make it fun to go talk to this person, you know, and, and like you said, practice, yeah. practice and, and just have a good time with it. And, and, you know, they've got school and they've got other sports. And so we, mm-hmm. we're a, we want to be a fun sidebar, not something they have to show up to. Excellent. That makes sense to me. So as, as we wind down, the, the one question I always ask everybody at the end in some similar form is if there's one piece of advice that you'd have to give to I'd say a family in your case, right? Like if, if there is a family listening, a parent or a student athlete or both who are listening about listening to this, what's the one piece of advice you'd give them about the recruiting process? I would just say, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. And by that, I mean, just, you know, let it become, let it organically become what it's supposed to be with your student athlete instead of trying to force it, uh, force it in he or she into a certain sport or force into a certain team or, you know, force into a certain position or into a certain college or, you know, let it grow organically and just water it and it will flourish. And by it, I'm talking about their children and families. And the recruiting process is hard. It's challenging it's hard to navigate, but if you can break it down and learn how to do it, parents becoming advocates for their student athlete and student athletes driving their own process, you'll be amazed at what can happen. Okay. All right. I'll ask you one more question then, because I think that that's aligned with everything that you've talked about here in the, in the last 45 minutes or so. So for parents, and this is specific to parents, if parents are going to be the advocate and are going to step back and let the student athlete take ownership, what's the one thing that they should work on as a parent to do that? Keep their hands off the wheel. <laughs> okay. You know, when you want to fight, when you want to fight for your, your child, ask yourself, is this a time where, when I'm just trying to make them happy 
or is it a time when they're in trouble? Like, you know, we were talking about this before. Right. Is there a real like, danger here, right? Danger, or am I just, you know, trying to help their happiness? Because if it's answer number two, then you've got to keep your hands off and step back and see again, just there something good is going to, is going to come out of this if it's a struggle or whatever. And, and you're strengthening that person so that they'll be able to handle life later on. That's, that's a great way to end it. So Barb, I, I want to thank you for coming on here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, it was great seeing you again and hopefully we can keep talking and maybe do it again sometime. I would love that. And, you know, we got to, we got to get you on our show too. That'll be, that'll be the next thing. We'll get you a <laughs> that sounds wonderful. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mike, you, you've, you've obviously done this for a, a long time now and, and you've got a, a great business going, but you're, you know, above all that, and you've got a family too, but you're helping so many, so many people. And I know that we can, you know, if all of us work together, we can really yes. not only help these kids find the right place, but help them enjoy it when they get there because they'll come in more prepared. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And it is for me, it's absolutely about helping, you know, helping these young people get to where they want to go. And if you, what I've learned too, is that kids spot a phony from a mile away. If you're genuine with them and you, you come into it with good intentions in yourself they'll come towards you, you know, because they know you have their best interests at heart. And I think those of us who are sort of fall into that bucket need to just keep ch chugging away at, you know, right. what is a very challenging system, you know, in that respect. Well, I have found that, that parents and student athletes both are, they're open for guidance. They want yeah. guidance. They want help. And, and most of them are, are very coachable. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, Barb, thank you. you again. I appreciate you coming on and uh, I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. So what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Barb Smith? For me, it's that young athletes should take ownership of the recruiting process. It might be natural or easy for parents to lead the way for their child, but allowing the student athlete to take the lead will likely result in the best possible outcome. My suggestion to high school student athletes is to own your recruiting process. First, understand your priorities in selecting a college program. Second, take the lead in managing your own process because college co coaches will take notice. I want to thank Barb for her kind generosity and the wisdom she shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can learn more about Barb and find my team at findmyteam.com and you can follow them on Instagram at findmyteam. To learn how mental performance coaching can help your mind work for you rather than against you, visit michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 43. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks. Ready to get better.